Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio episode number 226. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And we are here this week to celebrate National Puppy Day. So how better than to celebrate one of our favorite Disney puppies, Bolt. I cannot believe. I say this a lot, and it's just because we're getting older, and as you get older, the years fly by. But I cannot believe, and I mean this when I say this, that this film is going to be celebrating its 15th anniversary this year. I mean, I can believe that it was 2008. That was when we started dating. But it doesn't feel that long. Well, no, here's the weird thing. no, it doesn't. Like our this is not. It's not meant to be an insult. Oh, I believe this is going to be good. I believe for every second of 15 years that we have been together, because we've just done so much. I can't believe that this movie is 15 years old. That, to me, blows my mind. Yes, because it still feels very new. It does. Um, it's one that we had, we I, we saw it in movie theaters, we got it on Blu-ray, and I remember that we didn't go back and watch it an awful lot. In fact, the one time I can recall going back to watch it, again, was it was one of the first digital films that I ever had because you got the digital download code when you got the Blu-ray DVD combo pack. We watched this waiting to board our cruise out of New York, freezing in the terminal that had no power because we were still lacking power after Superstorm Sandy. It amazes me when you remember details like that of of when we were watching or what film we were watching leaving for a vacation. Like I remember watching Toy Story right before we got engaged because that was like a whole theme of that vacation. Yeah. Um but you have so many memories tied to when you were watching a film. It's amazing. Ask me half of what I did yesterday and I couldn't <laughs> possibly tell you. I did rewatch this one a lot though. Maybe you didn't, but for me, it was all about that behind-the-scenes look at Hollywood uh, that kept me coming back. But, of course, we are going to discuss, does it hold up now? Yes, does it hold up now? Is there a reason why I have not gone back to rewatch it? That, on top of many other things, is what we are here to discuss today. This episode is sponsored by Fierce Fox Co., designers of handmade silkscreen shirts. Fierce Fox has a t-shirt, tank top, hoodie, or crew neck for every fandom. So whether it's the movies or theme parks, princesses or villains, the MCU or Star Wars, everyone will find something they love. The designs range from subtle quotes from our favorite films to iconic characters we can wear proudly in so many different styles, such as sketchbook and concert tees. Listeners of Monoreal Radio can get a 20% discount using the code MONOREAL at checkout. Visit FierceFoxDesignCo.com to check out all of the collections. We meet Bolt, the star of his own TV show. However, he believes that his show is his real life and that he has superpowers, as he does in the show. So the show's producers do everything they can to keep up the ruse. The network tells us that the show is too predictable and they are losing a key demographic. So on the next episode, Bolt is unable to save his person Penny sending Bolt into a panic because that's really, in his mind, that's his entire purpose. He escapes his trailer and is accidentally shipped to New York where he sees that he has no superpowers and believes that he has been sabotaged by the green-eyed man, the villain on his television show. 
Bolt meets Mittens, a cat that is astray that he believes can lead him to the green-eyed man. Seeing Hollywood labeled on his collar, Mittens tells him that he needs to go to California, but Bolt refuses to let her go until he finds Penny, who has fallen into a depression upon learning of Bolt's disappearance. Bolt and Mittens climb aboard a U-Haul and start their cross-country road trip, and while stranded in Ohio, Bolt learns how to beg for food like a real dog. There they meet a hamster named Rhino, a fan of Bolt's, who joins in the adventure to rescue Penny and exposes Bolt as a television star. Although even even Rhino thinks that what he's seeing out of the magic box is real. Mittens tells Bolt that his life is fake, but he refuses to believe it. So when he tries his super bark, he grabs the attention of animal control and an officer captures him and Mittens. Penny, meanwhile, gives up the search for Bolt and agrees to work with a stand-in to save the show. Rhino helps Bolt break free from the animal control truck, proving that Bolt, in fact, has no superpowers. Rhino encourages Bolt to rescue Mittens, so they go to the animal shelter where she is being kept. They break her out and stow away upon a prefabricated home heading cross-country, where Mittens continues to teach Bolt what it is like to be a domesticated animal. While in Las Vegas, after a night of eating well, thanks to all of the scraps that get thrown away from all of the Vegas buffets, Mitten tries to convince Bolt that they should stay there, but Bolt refuses to leave Penny. Bolt is told by Mittens that people are fake and will abandon you, but Bolt refuses to listen, despite the story of her own abandonment, and continues his journey without her or Rhino. To save his feelings, Mittens tells Rhino that Bolt left to face the green-eyed man alone, but Rhino heads out to help Bolt anyway, and Mittens joins him. Bolt arrives in Los Angeles and finds the set of the show, just as Rhino and Mittens also arrive in L.A. They, too, head to the set where Bolt is to reunite with Penny. However, he sees her working with the stand-in and gives up his journey as he takes Mittens' words to heart. Penny, meanwhile, only wants to work with the real Bolt and she just wants the real Bolt back. While shooting, an accident on set leads to a devastating fire, and Penny ends up being trapped. Mittens tells Bolt that Penny is heartbroken, and she needs him back. Sensing that she is in danger, Bolt heads to the stage and rescues Penny with some help from his quote-unquote super bark. Penny quits the show and lives a life outside of L.A. with Bolt, Mittens, and Rhino. All right. Um, to start, absolute brilliant fake out. I remember when we saw the movie for the first time. You think that you are seeing this young girl rescue Bolt from an animal shelter, that he is her dog, having no idea that this is the setup for a television series. See, it's interesting that you bring that up because this is one of the things that I started to question upon rewatch. The first time I saw this, all I'm thinking is that Baby Bolt is totally adorable. Um, And then when we watched it again this time around, I started wondering, hmm, do we really need this seeing Bolt get adopted? Because it just struck up so many questions In my mind, like, was Penny cast in this show and she got to bring her dog along for the ride? 
Uh, were they cast as a duo? Was it both that they wanted? And they sent him on on an audition and they wanted him to work with his real person. That's kind of how my wheels started turning. And I think that that's also just, you know, me working in television that I went right down that road. But I started questioning if we really do need this scene and not to get too far ahead because, you know, it really being her dog, you'd never leave him alone like in a trailer for the weekend because it's not really her dog well you're saying that this is part of the show but he doesn't have his lightning bolt when he gets adopted well he doesn't have his lightning bolt when he gets adopted because he hasn't been genetically altered by her father yet remember he only becomes genetically altered by her father when he knows that the green-eyed man is coming for them so you are maintaining that this is all part of the show then yes this is just origin story for the television show. See, I don't think that it is. I think Bolts is Penny's dog and they just went on this journey of being actors together. That never even occurred to me. That's really interesting. But I do agree with you. I love once we get into the TV show itself, how this is cut like an action trailer to start. So you have your Disney opening credits spliced into the action scene. It is so well. This honestly... It should have won Best Animated Feature on this particular editing alone. Unfortunately for Bolt, because I looked, I looked ahead of time, and I figured this would come up later, but now makes sense to bring it up. The reason why I think sometimes this film gets forgotten about, and the reason why it did not win Best Animated Picture at the Oscars, is because it was released the same year as Wally. So it has it is so up against the wall just by virtue of being released the same year as Wally. Wait, Wally is that old too? Yep. Oof, that one hurts. <laughs> but I thought we just reviewed Wally for its anniversary. We did. We did. So, but but it's almost it's it's like an I mean, kudos to Disney that they would have both of these films come out in the same year, but it's just unfortunate for the people that put all that work into Bolt, that they were stuck behind, you know, Wally. I mean, you could say the same thing about Gandhi being released the same year as E.T., but the biggest faux pas in Oscars history was that Gandhi won over E.T., but I digress. I mean, I think when it comes to animation, though, any animated film that knows they're going up against Pixar, even though Disney, it's the same thing, you're going up against yourself, you know... That, that you really don't have a prayer against Pixar. But I love the look, to your point, the movie trailer, it kind of has like those muted colors to it. So it doesn't, you know right away you're not looking at the real world, quote unquote, right? It has a totally different look to it. And it's hyper stylized. Yeah. It's supposed to feel and look, especially because at the time this came out, it's supposed to feel like a Michael Bay movie. And it yeah. absolutely does. There is though a tremendous distraction <laughs> and I remember seeing the film for the first time and not blurting out shouting out an expletive sandwiched in between the words what well no it's not sandwiched in between it follows the words what the and then there's a question mark at the end and I yelled it out loud when you see the helicopters, 
it's let's not just, a coincidence. Let's just call it phallic helicopters, folks. Perfect. That's what they look Perfect. like. Perfect. Do you know how many hands this has to pass through before it makes it to the big screen? You can't tell me that all of these animators, all of the directors, all of the producers looked at it. And this occurred to no one how phallic they look. It obviously did, and they obviously passed it anyway. I don't know how. I don't know how the initial design flew. But you can't tell me that this didn't occur to anybody during the production. I mean, look, here's the thing. The way that they function, because that, you know, they they have that, that trap door that drops, and it brings the guys on the motorbikes out, like... You, you I, I kind of understand for its functionality, but at the same time, you have cargo ships that have those exact same ramps that don't look that way and haven't for a hundred years. When you consider the entire Star Wars universe and how many ships they've had to design, and not a one has ever looked even slightly phallic, and you're telling me this is your final product... I don't, it, and it, I just, the shock value for me has never worn off. No. It's as shocking now as it was when I saw it for the first time. And I, I don't want anybody to misunderstand. It's not offensive. I don't find it offensive. It just completely baffles me each time how every single person let this fly. We live in a world where they have redrawn the cover art and the original poster for The Little Mermaid. And yet this continues to exist in the world. I I just can't believe. And the whole thing with The Little Mermaid, I mean, there was controversy on that poster going back to the film's release. How are you not hyper aware of how these helicopters look? Well, that's what I'm thinking. This probably became a funny joke amongst the animators. And then every time it probably, you know, went to the next level up the chain and they got away with it. I can only imagine. It it must have been like the most hilarious in-joke on the production of this film ever. And they probably... You know, each time somebody went, okay, approved, let's move on to the next scene. They probably just had a big old yuck over it. Uh, But with all that being said, um, it's such a brilliant opening sequence. And I just love how the entire film folds back on itself once you get the reveal that Bolt and Penny are, in fact, actors. Yeah. Um, I love the behind the scenes look. I love... I love the setting that they put it in. I love the soundstage that they put it in. If you've ever been on a soundstage before, I mean, that's how they look. So they totally nailed the detail and the world building when it came to that. Yes, the set is absolutely amazing, but I love some of these characters that are introduced. We don't follow them for a long time, but you've just got these complete stereotypes of all of these Hollywood personalities. Yes. The director is one of the best characters Disney has ever done because you're fully expecting him to flip out that there's a boom in the shot. And instead he is just so obsessed with his art and making sure the illusion is kept up for bolt. 
It is just the most brilliant way to subvert the audience's expectations, especially because you think he's probably going to be the villain. And then you meet Mindy from the network. And OMG, did they just nail her? Nobody likes Mindy from the network, but everybody knows a Mindy from the network. Some more than others. <laughs> yeah, she she strikes fear into my heart. Um, the agent as well. Oh God! And he the he yeah the agent. Oh, he's God. he's the worst. We'll put a pin in him. Yeah, and then we'll take it out later. I remember never never hearing the phrase "Let's put a pin in this." Until we saw this movie for the first time. And I feel like everywhere I go since the time this movie came out, the phrase, let's put a pin in it. Maybe it just stood out to me after that, but I'd never heard that phrase until this movie. I don't think it was the first time I'd heard it, but they use it so much in this film. Yeah. Little Jerry Reed looking talent agent. Jerry Reed meets David Letterman. That's what he looks like (laughs) to me. Um, we're going to talk about cast in a little while, but can I just say now that John Travolta absolutely slays his introduction when Penny is gone and he's talking to the cats and it it's everything that you love about movies that spoof method acting. Yes. <laughs> but he doesn't realize that he's even method acting. He's absolutely brilliant. I remember when I heard the cast announced. I mean, and of course we're gonna we're gonna break it down more later. Miley's a given. She was, you know, I think past Hannah Montana at this point, but still very much Disney royalty. And when I heard that Travolta was gonna be this dog, all I'm th- well, there's only one thing when I. I hear when I think of John Travolta. Now it's Adele Dazeem, but it used to be Sandy. Yeah. And I was like, how is this big guy with this resounding voice going to fly as a dog? You know, it's not like when you think Oliver and Company, where it works for Dodger, but I, I just didn't see it coming together, and yet it works so well. What is not working for me, and this is kind of, it kind of goes to what I was talking about at the top of the show, is that the conditions that Bolt is left alone in are totally appalling and unrealistic. First of all, you're never going to leave a dog trapped in a trailer like this in a soundstage with nobody monitoring Bolt. Um, And this is where I go back to, I think it really is Penny's dog, because she should be allowed to take him home for the weekend because otherwise Bolt would be a working dog and he would have an animal handler. And that's what they do later on when they bring in his replacement. And that's why I tend to lean towards this was the family dog and they're just doing this together. I don't know. I don't, I still think that this is an animal actor, but they're treating him as if he's not an actor. The obsession with keeping up the ruse, like, realistically, is a dog going to be kept in a trailer, in a hot soundstage in Southern California all of the time? Of course not. But I'm willing to suspend that reality because it just gives levity to what they're trying to, like, get across here. Right, and make him feel like 
Penny's just off somewhere, but that's like their their trailer with all the pictures and all of his toys. That's his world. He can't leave his world. That's the only world that he knows. You're you're kind of reframing the entire way that I look at this film now. All right. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll buy it. Let's move on to when Bolt eventually does get shipped off. Right? So it seems a bit far-fetched. So, yeah, I'm the one sitting here saying I'll suspend reality. <laughs> it is a bit far-fetched that he would have gotten into that box and then had the packing foam in there because he's not not because I mean, yeah, a dog is not going to make it through something like that because they're they're going to put everything through an x-ray anyway. You're going to see there's an animal in there. That I'm willing to suspend. What I'm not willing to suspend is he is so hysterical and he is so impassioned to get to Penny and escape Penny because now what what has happened is the show has flipped the script. This is the first time he's not been able to rescue her because they're trying to they're trying to uh appeal to that demographic that doesn't want a consistent happy ending, right? Yes. Mindy from the network threatened everyone's job, so they decide to end this episode on a cliffhanger. I also love this reveal, too, how we know that Bolt is an actor at this point, but now the film pulls back on the audience. We see all of the behind the scenes of the shoot and how they're doing it to keep up this illusion for Bolt. Where, And, and I love the way that they're filming this show yeah, that it's almost like a theater stage because they have all of these rigs to make Bolt believe like the rubber bars and, um, you know, all of the crew is hidden. So normally at the end of a shoot, Penny walks off with Bolt. All of the extras are, are laying in place as if Bolt got them and she'll take him back to the trailer while they reset. This time they actually separate the two of them. Uh, and this is where the agent gets really, really grimy because Penny at least wants to calm Bolt down, take the stress away and let him know that she's all right. But they're going to keep them separated to, again, make Bolt believe that she's really in trouble. And right. that would never happen in real life because you're not going to put that much stress on a dog, even if it is a working dog. But he is so... He is so impassioned to get to her that I know he bangs his head on the window because he's trying to run through it. And he's I, he's kind of knocked out when he goes into the box. But I feel like he would be doing everything he could to be scrambling to get out of that box. That like surely that box would be moving and someone would have noticed it. But I guess that's that's how they hit it is he's knocked unconscious until he wakes up in New York. I think that would have to be it. Right. Because even if you take Penny out of the equation, Animal instinct is going to kick in. You don't want to be trapped anywhere. You're going to get through that box. It's not a crate like when you're crate training your pet. Right. It's a box. Like Walt would be through there in in probably, I don't even know if I'd give him 30 seconds. Well, Walt also figured out how to open his own crate. And we had to end up putting a lock and a carabiner on it. But that's another story for another day. Yeah, little Houdini. We'll, we'll post that video. Because you can't throw that out there and, and not show how he did it. But we end up in New York, which I like. Because I feel like 
if he would have just broken out and gotten lost in L.A., like that would have worked. But I feel like it would have taken a lot of the adventure out of it. That's the thing, right? I mean, they do such a good job of setting up this acting world, but that is such a small percentile of what this film actually is. Like, this is really a road trip journey. I almost feel like this is kind of a take on Homeward Bound with modern day animation. But you had to plus it a little bit, right? Oh, for sure. Um, But to your point, New York, and I mean, we're going to talk about the rest of the settings. It just looks absolutely incredible. I mean, when we reviewed Oliver and Company, we talked about how they went through such great lengths to do their reference photos, you know, on the ground, like 18 inches off the ground. So you'd have New York looking through the dog's lens. Um, And here they didn't quite do that. They didn't play with the, the low angles as much. I mean, you do get down on Bolt's level, but they created a bigger scope, I feel like, with the city. And um, I, I just absolutely love how it looks. I think it's the most, one of the most stunning portrayals of New York City in animation that's ever been done. And um, that's really a credit to the filmmakers because they decided that they wanted to do the backgrounds to look like the traditional matte paintings of early Disney animation and make the characters pop off of it. And I think it just gives the film such an amazing unique look that we don't see enough of nowadays yeah to me it doesn't stand out as much in the city scenes so much as it does when you're out in the country and you're out in fields then it stands out to me more than it does in the city but the photorealistic look is what really sets this film above and apart from anything else i love the pigeons usually when so great when you get the caricature and i think it's only because we lived in New York for so long, and you get the caricatures of, oh, Vinny, hey, hey, I'm walking it. Like, it, first off, it's aggravating because I know two dozen people that are that exact thing, but it's also become so contrived at the same time that usually I just go, ugh. And had it come out of the mouth of anything but a dirty, disgusting pigeon, I probably would have been aggravated, but I love the fact that it came out of the mouth of a dirty, disgusting pigeon. And that this is a running bit because there are pigeons at each location that are sort of stereotyping the the characters that you would find in said location. I love that they took that joke and ran with it. I love that they took it and ran with it. I love the whole styrofoam thing that Bolt thinks that the green-eyed man has sabotaged him with the styrofoam that is cling to him. It's neutralized him. That is also such a great thread to keep playing off of through this film because Bolt has the Buzz Lightyear complex. And I think this is something that they had to be very careful to toe the line with throughout this film. Because from the jump, Woody is telling Buzz, you're not real, you're a toy. And Buzz's ego is what gets in the way of him listening to Woody until it's almost too late and and he's in a very precarious situation at Sid's house here. Bolt is in a very precarious situation, but you need this belief in himself as a motivation to get back to Penny because he's on his own. It's not a buddy movie until we get the introduction of mittens. And even with mittens, uh, it's not going to be enough for her to just say, you're not real. You're not real. And we know eventually he's going to come to that realization on his own. But 
what I love that they do here, and I'm getting a little bit ahead, is that you've got Bolt and he's got the angel and the devil on his shoulder in Mittens and Rhino telling him, yes, you can do this. No, you can't. Um, and that's really what sets this apart from Buzz. And the styrofoam lends to that because now you have something like tangible to make Bolt ignore all of the naysaying. I also love the introduction of Mittens. That whole operation she's got going. Mittens Fantastic. is great. The whole, she's going to protect all of these birds from her evil claws. Meanwhile, she's declawed. So she, it's just, she. it's the fear of, they know that cats have claws. They know that cats eat birds. So she's just projecting it out there. I absolutely love that that is her whole ruse for being fed. I love that uh, these birds are just blindingly following everything that she says. But it's a great character introduction because with very little dialogue from her and just having a, for lack of a better term, the bird's eye lens of you're watching her interaction with someone else they tell you everything that you need to know about her immediately. The whole thing is brilliant. Um, just the idea that she's, you know, she's a stray, but she's smart and she's a hustler. And you don't have to really worry about her survival. Um, but you're right. The reference to being declawed is planted here because she keeps saying, oh, well, if, if you don't bring me my food, they're going to come out. I'm going to have to have a conversation with them. And she keeps building that threat up against the pigeons. It's so well done. I also love the couch. It's a subtle thing. But when Bolt eventually captures uh, Mittens and tells her that he's not going to let her go until she leads him to the green-eyed man, they hide on... They hide underneath a couch that two college students who are wearing USC shirts are loading into a U-Haul because they're going to Southern California. Bolt knew to do that because it was literally in the last scene that he shot with Penny where they hide underneath that truck. It's basically, it's reused animation, but it's done so intentionally so that he has a reference for how to do this and how to hide. Yes. What is different about this now is that he is forcing Mittens to help him. He's tied Mittens to a leash. Uh, so she has no choice but to, to go along for the ride. This was also something that the animators said was one of their biggest challenges was having these two characters tethered to each other. Yeah. They said, don't ever do it again in an <laughs> animated film. Just a headache. Moving on to Ohio, where we get to the trailer park. This, in my opinion, is where the movie really starts to take off because so much happens in this trailer park that I'm absolutely in love with. Starting with the idea that Bolt, for the first time, has to be a quote-unquote real dog. Mittens teaches him how to beg for food, and as dog owners, like, the Disney animators just absolutely nailed this whole thing. Drop the ears... Tilt the head, look up, look pathetic. I mean, it's it's spot on. Like, I wish I could have reached through the television and given Bolt a treat. I understand that Bolt thinks that he's, 
you know, I, I was almost going to say superhuman, but a super dog. Uh, he doesn't identify as a real dog, but I don't buy for a second that they need to be taught how to beg because no one taught Walt how to beg. No, he figured but that he one out. he does it well. oh so well. You, your mom, you guys were easy targets. He, he, you guys were, you were softballs. Fair. I'll uh, give you that one. But the this whole little montage is great. And I don't know why this is one of my favorite lines in the movie. It just kills me every time when Mitten says, "My look, my stomach has descended. It's yes. hilarious because they animated the little bubble in the stomach. It's hysterical. But the absolute best part of the campsite, the trailer park, is because you get introduced to one of the most forgotten about and for no good reason forgotten about characters in the history of Disney animation. For real though, I remember Rhino mostly from the trailer because so many of his lines were used in the trailer to play up the comedy and as well they should have. He is just perfection. He's one of the best characters that Disney has ever done. The hero worship is absolutely hilarious and he's such a great foil to Mittens. Their their yin and yang with Bolt is just such good character development across the board. Uh, and, and he's just so funny and I am convinced that if this had come out after Frozen, that absolutely would have been Josh Gad doing the voice. I think that you're right. Um, I don't, I mean, I guess because this movie is often forgotten about unnecessarily and unfortunately it's forgotten about. Rhino is a character that continues to fall by the wayside. But as you sit here and you watch it, and I, I just remember when we saw the movie in theaters for the first time thinking there's no way on earth that this character is not going to be a smash. And to this day, I I still sit here and I, I look at him and I go, I just don't get it. I don't understand why this character was so forgotten about. I think he blew up at the time of the release, but it was very fleeting. Like, I remember you and I would quite quote Rhino all the time. Like, yeah. I eat danger for breakfast. We must have said that 47 times a week. He, he's just, he's great. So from there, you get the adventure continuing, and it really gets very funny because Rhino who knows who Bolt is, but Mittens has no idea until Rhino blurts it out that Bolt's stories out of the magic box are the best, and that's where it gets exposed that Bolt is a television star and that his life isn't real. But everything leading up to that, you're right. There's adventure, but there is so much comedy because Rhino is such a great foil to Mittens. And even when they get captured by the dog catcher and they're in the shelter now i mean just the irony of this small little hamster having to step in to be the hero and break the two of them out uh i i love how they play with 
the idea that he's in the ball, but he uses the ball to be his own superpower. Yes. And then um, there's that really great shot where he gets in the headlight of the dog catcher's car. So it projects his shadow like he's this giant hamster zilla. It's just so funny. And that whole sequence is great. And basically they, they kind of rhino sort of like fails up to break them out of yeah. the dog pound. Um, but I also love that for him because he, he looks up to bolt so much, but now he's learning how to be his own hero with with no powers and trying to I mean he doesn't really need to be convinced to believe in himself but his focus is so much on Bolt he doesn't realize that what he's doing is heroic and then conversely you have Bolt who's got to come to grips with there are moments he still thinks he has his powers but he's sort of learning that he's got to work with what he's got which is not much and I think the biggest triumph of this is once they get out of the animal shelter and they break mittens out, Bolt learning to act as a real dog more than just begging for food. Hanging his head out the window of the modular home, playing with other dogs at the park. The animators absolutely nailed the characteristics of that puppy energy and it is so, it's so wonderful as the audience to see Bolt live the life that he should have been living the entire time. It's not just a great moment for Bolt, though. I mean, really, the whole montage is so well done for all of these characters because we get a little bit of Mitten's backstory because she's giving the house tour and explaining what everything is. So we know that at one time... She was a domesticated cat. Uh, and you also get the idea that because they're working together, because they're helping each other survive on this journey, it starts to show, at least in Mitten's case, that they are chosen family. So once they get to Vegas, it lands very, very hard that even though Bolt is enjoying being a dog, he still wants to go back to Penny. I cannot imagine how much those casinos had to pay to get their logos and their product placement into this movie. I don't know, though. Is that product placement or is that Disney going above and beyond to like use the use the rights and the name? But can they do that? Can they take a trademarked and a copywritten name like Caesar's Palace and use it in their film to make a profit? I would imagine that there would have to be a release signed. I mean, what would stop them from putting Coke and Pepsi into every movie? True. And because of the way that they did the um, sort of matte paintings and they wanted that 2D look, they might have been able to outline the casinos in such a way that we as the audience are going to be able to identify them Um without explicitly saying this is Caesars, this is the Bellagio, but that you might even get into copyright infringement if you're using the likeness of it. Right. To bring up a point that you made earlier, um, we learn more and more in Vegas about Mitten's backstory, and that's where we learn that she is in fact declawed, but nobody knows that except her. 
and that she was a domesticated animal and she was abandoned when her family moved away. Um, I think that her backstory is a bit predictable, but I don't think that it hurts the story. I, because I think it's predictable for us because we've seen movies like this a thousand times. But if you're a six or seven year old kid seeing a movie for the first time, it's probably earth shattering to know that she was once a pet and that somebody gave up on her. As predictable as it is, though, I think because of that delivery of the line, they left me alone declawed, it still lands so hard because, you know, a lot of people do declaw their cats. But if you're not going to uphold the responsibility as a, a pet owner and see it through to the end of their life, you are leaving this cat completely defenseless. And because right. we've seen Mittens be this toughy in the first act, and now she's also the source of knowledge, teaching Bolt how to be the dog, to see her and to learn that she is so defenseless, it's very unexpected of the character. To learn that she's defenseless, yes. To learn that she was abandoned, not at all. I mean, you've seen it in how many movies where you have strays and street dogs, right? Like, that within itself is not a surprise, but the defenselessness certainly is. Because, you know, she's played as such a worldly character. Um, it's that moment where you learn that she's that way because she had to be. Right. So, Bolt leaves. He heads out to California. He finishes his trek to L.A., right? We get more pigeons. More pigeons. The Hollywood pigeons. That are trying to pitch him on the idea of aliens in the show. And he's basically just going along with listening to them so that they can help him find Penny. And he gets to the set. The scene where he sees her working with the stand-in. That's tough. This is up there. I don't know that it's like top 10 saddest Disney moments because there are, you know, too many characters dealing with actual deaths and things like that. Um, but I would say this is like a top 20 gut punch. Yeah, I think at, at best it's top 15. At worst, it's top 20. And it ends, you know, again, you've seen it a thousand times. He drops Mr. Carrot. He walks away just in time for Penny to go, I miss Bolt. So, again, a little predictable as the audience, but it doesn't make it any less meaningful when you've taken such sympathy on this character for the first hour and 15 minutes of the movie. Right. What I also really love that they do with the stand-in, too, is that he gets spooked yeah. while they're shooting, and he's the one that triggers the fire. Yeah, I mean, this flaming set, they absolutely go for it. They really do. Putting the actress in peril like that, which would never really happen in this day and age, but, I mean, it's functional, right? They all run away, but she knows to use that quick release, and she goes onto, you know, the big inflatable cushion to pad her fall should she need to release like that. But, I mean, it's in terms of putting a character in peril, 
This is one of the, for lack of better terms, scarier moments that I can recall in a Disney film. It is surprising that they would go for it on that level because she's a little girl, too. You know, it's not like this is one of our main characters. You know, it's not like Aladdin escaping the Cave of Wonders on the carpet and and dodging lava. Like, you know he's going to be okay. You know he can fend for himself. This is a helpless little girl. Um... This is a bit far-fetched for me, though, and maybe this is not fair to say when we're talking about a film in which a dog is an action hero and then spans <laughs> a cross-country road trip to get back to his person. Um, this would never in a million years happen in a studio setting. First of all, they are equipped with rain sprinklers because everything is so expensive. They're not just going to let it burn. Second of all, your lead talent is going to be the first one out that door. Ain't no way that anybody's leaving her there. And third of all, like, where is mom? Come on. It's odd that mom's not on set. Like, mom should be on set with her. You'd think that because she's a minor, mom would have to be on set with her at all times. Right. But with all of that being said, the moment where Bolt goes back onto set because Mittens tells him that Penny needs him. And and now, Bolt gets to be that super dog. I love that he gets that moment with Penny. I love that they hearken back to Zoom Zoom. Yes. I love that through the, through the uh, vent, he gets to use his super bark to alert them that she is there. Because at this point, as if it's not shocking enough, the child actress has been... Uh, knocked down with smoke inhalation. So it takes the dog using his super bark in the vent to get the attention of the first responders and the paramedics. I, I, But I love that Disney went for it, and I love that all of this paid off in the end. Especially, too, because he lays down next to her, and after everything that he's been through and feeling rejected by Penny for a moment until mittens you know corrects him uh he's so loyal it almost plays like he's prepared to die with her well he does lay down next to her that's what i'm saying until she until he realizes that he can get her out of that situation he does lay down next to her it's it's an incredible scene yeah that's another gut punch and um the scoring in this scene too also makes it what it is it's such a strong cinematic score it's really good and the end of the movie where mom smashes the agent's cell phone because all he can think is, here's how we can make this work for us. Executive producer credit, front page headlines, interviews, just slimy Jerry Reed. I, I love how he gets his comeuppings in the end. That's another thing why this is unrealistic. Because, no, it's not. Well, <laughs> no, him getting his comeuppance, absolutely. He got what he deserved. But I'm saying as far as the fire goes, he doesn't care about Penny. He cares about her marketability. Right. He would have let her out of that building. No, I, I, I will die on the hill that Kris Jenner sold Kim Kardashian's Ray J tape. I will die on that hill that she possessed it and she sold it and that she made money off of it. I, I don't think you're alone on that hill at all. If that, if if Kim Kardashian, if any of the Kardashians or Jenners were in a flaming building and there was a camera crew there, Kris Jenner would go, just wait. Just, just wait. She would hold first responders back. 
because it would make for an incredible front page story. So I totally buy that this agent would do this. Yeah, I can't really argue with with you there. Uh, I also love how they end it, not just that Bolt is getting to be a real dog and that Penny decides to leave Hollywood. I like that we actually get to see what happens to the show and that they write in the, the new actress. The cast is It fantastic. is so clever. Oh, you know, she wakes up in the doctor's office and it's, oh, that facial reconstruction really worked. Face off <laughs> this is now two films that john travolta has done i wonder if they did oh they had to do that on purpose if i they could let, eat a peach for hours i oh man if they let those phallic copters fly they had to be in on this joke there is no doubt in my mind speaking of john travolta are we ready to move on to cast absolutely travolta as bolt is incredible i love the life that he gives him I love that until you brought up Buzz Lightyear, I never thought of him as a Buzz Lightyear. Really? But I think that's a credit to the screenwriters, but also Travolta, because after you called it out, I said, my God, you could very easily, if you were looking to be critical of the film, you could very easily draw the parallels. I... Uh, in the 15 years, and again, I haven't watched, I haven't rewatched this movie a ton, and I'm kind of questioning why at this point, I never drew the comparison between Bolt and Buzz Lightyear. There are parallels, but I think that they were very careful and successful not making it feel like a total ripoff of Buzz. Um, yeah, it, it just blows my mind every time that Travolta was able to like make himself small enough to do this role if you will because he does have a very like boastful voice and I don't mean that as like a negative thing either I'm not saying that he's egotistical or anything like that I actually very much like John Travolta um it, it's just one of those crazy things you don't think that it's gonna work and it it's perfect Susie Essman plays Mittens I love her sense of humor. I love her reactions to everything. I just absolutely adore what she did with this character. Absolute brilliance. If you've never seen this movie and you like Amy Sedaris, watch for that alone for Mittens. Yeah, we have Mark Walton as Rhino. It, I mean, we said it before. Rhino, one of the most forgotten about characters in Disney not justifiable. I love this character. The The comic relief is incredible. I love him and Bolt as a duo, and I wish that we would have gotten more of Rhino. Yeah, I, I just love the complex that he's got of he's going to step in and save the day, just completely unaware of his size or... Even his skill set and how he can be helpful in a situation, he's going to go for it anyway. He is going to quite literally run into the burning building. For sure. He's fearless. I, I love it. And, and that's where the comedy really comes from is because he's fearless to a point where he's deluded. And it, it's just so well done. Um, another cast member I want to mention because um, I think this might have been one of her very first roles, um, Chloe Moretz plays uh, young Penny yeah, in the, the adoption scene. For the three lines that she had. 
But I love Chloe Moretz. I love her in everything that she's been in. And that's our girl. She's an Islander fan. Uh, I want to also, since we're talking about the adoption scene again, something else that I realize where we've been trying to determine is Bolt the family dog? Is he, was he always an actor? Is that adoption scene part of the television show or is it real? I think I have a definitive answer. Okay. Mom takes Penny to adopt Bolt. And in the show, Penny has a dad, not a mom. Your words. Right. Which means that Bolt is an animal actor and not an adopted pet for the family. But if we've never seen Penny's mom on the show, why did mom take her to adopt Bolt? Mm, I have you. Mm, because Disney couldn't just have one dead parent. We had to do it twice. Fake- we don't know that Penny on the show has a dead mom. Well, where is she? She's going after her father in Calico, you know, with Bolt alone. No one's stopping her. Well, right. I mean, we can assume that, but we can't assume that she was alive when Bolt's adoption took place. So we cannot assume that the, I'm I'm going to die on this hill. It It is Penny's dog. Okay. So like a Disney parent, you will die on the hill. You are about to be Mufasa. You have real Penny without a father. You have actress Penny without a mother. Disney went for it twice. Let's keep talking about Penny, though. I remember when we walked out of this film, I said, my God, I really liked Miley Cyrus. Because up until this point, 2008, I only knew Miley Cyrus as Hannah Montana. That was before she was really a commercial superstar once she broke away from the Disney contract and she kind of lost her mind for a little while. But I remember uh, she's back now. Yeah, and Disney welcomed Disney her Plus. back with open arms. But I I we I remember when we walked out of the movie theater, I said my biggest surprise is how much I liked Miley Cyrus. Like I thought she was really good in this movie. I completely agree. I mean, I never watched Hannah Montana when it was on, but I remember um especially circa 2008 when you and I were working at the radio station how big she was because she did start to move away from that Disney contract she started releasing albums um and and that was really more what I associated her with was that the kids would go crazy for her because they grew up on Hannah Montana and I remember I think we did like a a meet and greet or something. And I, I just remember like chaos at work that day. It was her and then Bieber. We actually, we had to cancel the Bieber one. That got so out of control. And people started showing up at the radio station for Bieber. Remember, we had to like issue a statement to say he was not there. Yeah. Um, but that was right around the same time. But we got the hand, we Hannah Montana. We got the Miley Cyrus one in, but it was chaotic. I remember it was a nightmare. And I think that that and Bieber like followed that. And that was like the last time that we ever did an artist like that. It was just too much. Yeah. In house at at least. But yeah, that was really like my first introduction to Miley. And I'm kind of like, what's the big deal? I know she's Hannah Montana. I knew what the show was. I had just never been familiar with her work until her music. And then uh, around that same time, I was working one of her concerts at Nassau Coliseum. And I remember being just so impressed because she was singing pop songs, but her show was so much more 
of a rock show. And she reminded me of like a Pat Benatar or a Joan Jett. Like that's the kind of chops that she had. And she's been, you know, mature behind beyond her years. Um, and I don't look at those couple of years after her divorce as you know her going off the deep end I think it's that that's the first time she was allowed to like just let loose and act her age she grew up she had to grow up very very fast in this industry and unlike Penny she didn't walk away from it well Robin Thicke may disagree with you <laughs> but and, and so do I but be that as it may you're gonna see more of Miley on Disney plus outside of Hannah Montana Final thoughts on 2008's Bolt. Um, I still love this movie. Uh, I've always had a soft spot for it. I've always been thoroughly entertained by it. Um, I think that upon rewatch, you know, you don't get the same thrill of watching it because the reveals land once. Nothing is shocking anymore. Um, but this is still just such a fun film the comedy is hilarious. It holds today. And the animation is just simply stunning. Those backgrounds and the way that they captured really America is is just truly inc- incredible. And I absolutely love these characters. So I can't find a good reason why it took me so long to rewatch this. I can't find a good reason why this has not been a movie that has been in steady rotation for me. This might shock you. I'm giving it a perfect score. Uh, there's really no reason not to. I'm giving this movie perfect marks. It's it's forgotten about. There's no reason for it. Um, it kind of... It performed moderately, moderately well at the box office. It made less than $400 million versus, you know, a $100 million budget. But a lot of people credit it for the second rebirth of Disney animation and... That, you know, this led to Tangled. Tangled led to Frozen. So it, it is so underappreciated for what it did accomplish. And I wish that we would see more Bolt types of films and less sequels. Less sequels. Less franchises. Less live action films. Like, I just wish that we would get the creative handed back to those who create instead of wondering, well, how can we market this as Halloween costumes for the next decade? How can we market this as stuffed animals for the next five years? Uh, Like I wish that we had more films like this and I hope that moving forward, that's what we get. Encanto is going to end up being a trilogy. It shouldn't be, but it's going to. They've talked about a sequel to Coco, which is completely irrational and guess what they're going to do? They're going to make a sequel to it because money. They I've, talked about a sequel to Inside Out. Zootopia, I get. Inside Out? Mm, I Inside know. Out, I could live with. I could live with Riley's puberty years and really watching everything malfunction and and go haywire. Actually, I think we talked about it when we reviewed it. And and we said maybe time jump and have her be in like her early 20s, graduating college and trying to land a job or something like that. Inside Out, because it's coming of age, but because it deals with that as subject matter, because you change so much between the ages of 10 and 30, like, I could keep dipping my toes into the water when it comes to Inside Out, because I think it's so relatable. But with that said, I want to see more of this. 
this movie should be talked about more. We want to hear from you. Do you love Bolt? Do you need to revisit Bolt? Is he the family pet or is he an animal actor? You can let us know your thoughts on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio, or you can email us monorealradio at gmail.com. News of the week is coming up, but first, a quick break. Hey guys, my name is Mike. I listen to Jackie and Sean's podcast every week on my commute into work. So I reached out to Jackie, and she helped me put together the perfect getaway. I did a four-night Disney cruise ship, and she was able to answer every question that I threw at her. She put together the perfect dates and an insurance plan that made the whole experience stress-free. She was able to help me with little tips and tricks, like you can get a Mickey Mouse bar delivered to you any time of the day. And I think that was a mistake because now I put about 10, 15 pounds on. I'll definitely be using Jackie again in the future. Thanks for everything. So if you would like completely free assistance planning your Disney vacation, you can get in touch with me through any of our social media outlets at Monoreal Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can email me directly at j.zolezzi, that's Z-O-L-E-Z-Z-I, at MagicalVacationPlanner.com. Hi, this is Kelly from Carmen Kismet, your official Monorail news sponsor, and I am very excited to throw it over to Sean and Jackie to talk all about the Disney news. But before I do that, I want to make sure that I share with you guys where you can check out all of my Disney-inspired art at KarmaAndKismetDesigns.com. Listeners of the show get a 10% discount with the code MONOREAL10 at checkout to see all of Kelly's products and services. It is online at KarmaAndKismetDesigns.com. That's Karma, the letter N, KismetDesigns.com. Let's talk Disney Plus first. Then we're going to talk about some Disney Parks news. There's a lot. There's a lot. A lot came out this week, starting with the future of The Mandalorian. And a lot of people were surprised to hear John Favreau say that the series does not have a planned ending. This does not surprise me at all. No. Because I think that with the way that Grogu has been successfully launched as a character, and with the way that we talked about, I think it was last week or the week before, how you're starting to it was i believe it was on our dockside chat we talked about it you're starting to see grogu kind of expand into the star wars animated series there is an infinite possibility here when it comes to star wars as a franchise where ha huh, fancy this you put creative into the ideas of the creative and you can expand on universes and introduce new characters and i think that disney plus is the perfect outlet for that because absolutely nobody at this point wants more star wars films i can't find anybody that wants another star wars movie we need a break from it however everybody wants more star wars television shows so i feel like there's a real big opportunity here for you to expand that star wars universe in television introduce new characters like a grogu and then expand on uh characters you know that we see in animation and they've done that really well in the mandalorian it doesn't surprise me at all and i can also see john favreau handing the reins over to someone else who then tells their own star wars story I I mean, I think the franchise is pretty good where it's at right now because it's not just Mando. You had Book of Boba Fett. You had Ahsoka or you have Ahsoka coming out, which people are very excited for. Um, But I agree with you. The possibilities are sort of endless now that you're not locking everything into these trilogy films. And I think that Favreau gave a really smart, really diplomatic answer is that he doesn't have the end point in mind. So he's sort of willing to ride this thing until the wheels fall off. 
for as many seasons as they'll have him. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that's smart that you're not putting like a finite point on it because then it's not going to be like, well, fans, Mando's ending after six seasons. And then you're going to disappoint people while it's peaking right now. You don't want to tell people when the end is coming. You want us to believe that this is just going to go on and on and on. But I mean, I think Favreau and uh, Dave Filoni are going to be on Star Wars for quite a while because everybody seems to love what they're doing. Even the actors like Hayden Christensen has gone on record saying that he's so happy because they he felt like what they did with Clone Wars and Obi-Wan, it sort of made the first trilogy a little bit more forgivable because nobody liked Anakin in the first three films. It was also announced that uh, season two of the Santa Claus is coming. The Santa Clauses, I should say. Goodness. And that Gabriel Iglesias has joined the cast as has Eric Stone Street, who is going to play Mad Santa, who tries to reclaim the North Pole. Uh, you and I had very different stances on the Santa Clauses. I liked the series. It was not your favorite by any stretch of the imagination. I wanted a second season very badly. And it's, I love Gabriel Iglesias, and I love Eric Stone Street. I loved Modern Family. I have absolutely no interest in this. Really? I, I was interested until I heard that this is what they're doing because it's like, so Tim Allen, Scott Calvin's going to lose control of the North Pole again. So we're just doing the first season again. I think this almost reads more as Santa Claus 3 with Martin Short where somebody's trying to make a claim for it. I mean, honestly, I had no interest in a season two but I could totally get on board for Eric Stone Street. Interesting. Well, I love Eric Stone. It's not Eric Stone Street that I have the problem with. It's the fact that we're just going to rehash the same story again. No, I completely agree with that. But this character, Mad Santa, is totally piquing my curiosity. Well, I guess we're going to find out soon enough. Uh, they've also announced that they are doing a revival, because they won't call it a reboot, God forbid, of Zorro on Disney Plus with Brian Cogman from Game of Thrones joining. This is a series that I'm actually interested in. I didn't know that it was coming. I'm not surprised that it was coming. But my dad, when I was a kid, used to show me Zorro. He was a big Zorro fan. Uh, I used to love the original Zorro when I was a kid. So I'm interested in seeing it. I'm excited to see it. But for the love of God, Disney... Just remember, and I know this is going to be difficult for you, Zorro is a period piece, and it cannot be modern contemporary. That's my only plea, is that if you're going to make Zorro, go for it and give me a gritty, tough-as-nails, true depiction of Zorro. That's my hope. Well, it says that this is going to be a bold reimagining. Then it's going to suck. I'm sorry. There's no... I'm sorry. Then then don't do it. Then don't do it. If, if you're not going to do it accurately, then don't do it. If they did it like under the Jerry Bruckheimer banner, I think that would be lights out. But well, what's he going to do? Ride a motorcycle and chase a plane? We've already seen Tom Cruise no, do that. No, I'm talking about it like in the vein of Pirates. But I would hardly call Pirates a modern contemporary film. Right, but that's what I'm saying. If you're If you're going to 
be true to the source material, I think if you did it in the vein of pirates, it would be successful. Bold reimagining does not say period piece to me. Then stop doing period pieces. Uh, we have four episodes of Renovations coming to Disney+. Plus. They're all dropping on April 12th. It's Jeremy Renner, who's everybody's favorite superhero, especially after what happened to him with that tragic snowmobile accident. He is a superhero, a real-life superhero. Um, and he's going to now be tearing apart houses and rebuilding them. I did not know that this was a hobby of his. Uh, vehicles. He's going to take decommissioned vehicles and rebuild them to serve communities around the world. Oh, see, now I thought he was doing... yeah. Okay, see, I thought he was doing houses. Like, we're going to do, like, house crashers, but with Jeremy Renner. That may be my fault, because when I told you... <laughs> when you when you saw this show, you were like, what is this? When is he doing renovations? Uh, I had said he was on Celebrity IOU, uh, and he did his mom's house. And, you know, this is like a side passion project, but I I'm guessing from there, Disney offered him the deal um, to make it more charitable. So they're going to do it with uh, with vehicles like uh, motorhomes and food trucks and things like that. And he's got it. It's like a star studded guest cast that is coming along to join him. Interesting for him. I'm intrigued for him. I will watch. Let's talk about some Disney Parks news, starting with some meet and greets. Um, Moana is now going to be doing a meet and greet on Discovery Island at Animal Kingdom starting April 22nd. Well, thank God that was the only park she wasn't in. Yeah. Well, it makes sense because Mirabelle's now going to be at the Magic Kingdom at Fairytale Garden in the fall. I, this, this I don't get. Why not Epcot? They both should be at Epcot. Moana's getting an entire walkthrough attraction right. at Epcot. That's the thing. She should be, being that that's where her attraction is, she should also get the meet and greet right there. Like if kids want to go on the ride or, or walk through the attraction, they're going to want to meet her at the end of it. So why wouldn't you have, it's the same thing. Ariel's Grotto was always by the Little Mermaid ride. I mean, look, at least Moana at Animal Kingdom makes sense if you didn't have an attraction coming. Do, but, you, do you really yes. need the Moana meet and greet so badly that you can't just wait a couple of months? To me, though, Moana reads more fairy tale, and I feel like she would make more sense at Magic Kingdom than Mirabelle. I mean, like, yes, Mirabelle, they all have a magical power, but, like, it's a family story. And they're very much into their heritage. It reads Epcot. Yeah. And now, now, look, I mean, on the other hand, you have... You know, Gina Marie from West Babylon is dragging her husband and kids down to Disney World, not using a vacation planner like Jackie, not knowing what the hell's going on because they don't use a vacation planner like Jackie. And they go to Disney, meaning Magic Kingdom, because it's only yes, one park. Yeah. And they go, where's Encanto? Where, where's Encanto? My my kids want to go. They want to go meet Encanto. Like... That's who dictates character meet and greets at Magic Kingdom. I don't think that she should be in Magic Kingdom. I think that she's more, I think she's more on brand being in Epcot. But, you know, South Shore Joey and his wife don't know what the hell Epcot is because they just know we're going to Disney. They also think that Harry Potter is at Disney. So they're going to go to one park 
I understand marketing-wise why they're at Magic Kingdom, and I think that's what dictates it. I'm fairly certain that's what dictates it, but it doesn't mean that it's on brand at all. No, but I mean, this has been happening for years now that they've started with more character integration in the parks because that was always the thing like for us growing up it's why Epcot always got labeled as the quote-unquote boring park I never thought it was but kids didn't like that it didn't have a lot of the characters and what happens if you're only doing like one day at Disney like say you're going on a cruise or something and you get into Florida the night before you're leaving out of Port Canaveral and you want to do like one day at the park if you pick quote unquote the wrong park and there's something that your kid loves that they didn't get to see because they couldn't meet that character or go on that ride, you know, that's all part of guest experience. And this has been trending in this direction for a while is that they don't want anyone getting upset because they couldn't meet their favorite character because they only chose to go to one park. If you're flying into Florida and you're doing a Disney vacation, I don't think that you're doing any less than two or three days. So you would get to see most of what you want to. But I think that that's what they're just trying to avoid is put everybody everywhere to increase the odds of you being able to meet your favorite character right and then they complain that they waited online three hours to do them and they didn't get on the other four attractions that they wanted to do but genie plus is here to save the day let's <laughs> go to epcot though for a few moments figment is getting a meet and greet this summer at epcot this is a game changer i am so excited that figment is getting a meet and greet i would honestly be more excited if it was figment and Dreamfinder. i don't disagree with you i think the Dreamfinder needs to come back and i think that the next major project that gets announced for Epcot will be a closing and a reimagining of Journey into Imagination, where you will see a Dreamfinder come back. It's not going to be the Dreamfinder. It it'll be, it'll be like a reboot sequel. Yeah, it's going <laughs> to be a squeemake, as we had that's that's a term that we coined with John Sakari from Big Fat Panda. It'll be a squeemake. But the Dreamfinder, I do believe, is coming back. I don't think it's going to be in the form that we saw the original Dreamfinder, but I think the Dreamfinder is coming back. I think that's the next major project that gets announced for Epcot because, as we found out, um, Journey of Water, inspired by Moana, is going to debut this fall at Epcot. Thank you for narrowing that down for us. Let's just call it October 1st and you'll launch it on the anniversary. That's what I think is going to happen. This is one of those things like Tron where it looks like it's done because they've made so much progress. And it's kind of like, how is this taking until the fall? I understand that breaking ground was difficult because you obviously had to reroute a lot of plumbing so that the water can flow through this thing the way that it's supposed to. Yeah. But... I kind of thought the heavy lifting was done. Like, they have Tafiti in. I thought they were, like, nearing completion. I don't know how they're not having this done for the summertime. Yeah. When, when your tourism is going to be at its highest, I don't know how you missed it. Chapek is the easy answer. Probably scaled back yeah. to make it cheaper, and he didn't care that it slowed down. That's my guess. Uh, Communicore Hall will open later this year and will be home to new character uh, greeting locations called Mickey and Friends. And I believe this is also where they're going to be doing a lot of the festival-centric stuff. 
I, I, the, the most exciting thing about this is that the construction walls are coming down and you're hearkening back to original Epcot with Communicore. Yes. I mean, cool. It, does, it doesn't, like, it's not earth-shattering. Great. I'm just glad that we are, like, Disney, my God, is seeing through an Epcot project. One of two. You, you didn't finish the play pavilion. You probably never will. Mary Poppins, you probably never will. The, the amphitheater, they were going to do another theater for the concerts, for the festivals. Probably never going to happen, and I'm kind of fine with that because yeah. they would have found a way to upsell that anyway. It should, concerts should never leave the American Gardens Pavilion, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but I'm just glad that you are, like, completing something at Epcot because I'm sick and tired of the construction walls. To me, it also begs the question, uh, what are they going to do with the Odyssey? Yeah, um, I don't know. It, it's it's going to be interesting to see. They, they'll retheme it as something else, I suppose. They'll repurpose it as something else. I mean, they've also just been using it as that. That's seem- the the festival, not the center, but that it's usually a hub. They'll figure out something to do with it that I feel like it won't be the play pavilion, but there will be another IP that they will figure out a way to work into that. I don't think they have enough room. Well, no, they really don't have enough room to expand it into an Avengers campus. No. I I don't think that you have enough room at all. But something will go there. They will wait for an IP, and something's going to go there. But we're just going to have to wait and see. Corksickle, this is the last bit of news. Corksickle has announced their first retail location uh, coming to Disney Springs later this springtime. We know that they do a lot at Wine Bar George. Uh, I suspect that that partnership will likely continue. Um, I know that Corksickle does a lot with Run Disney, uh, especially for the Princess Weekends. I'm just curious to see how successful a Corksickle location can be. It's one thing when you go to Wine Bar George and you buy it as a souvenir because they're filling it with wine and it's got Mickey or Minnie on it. And oh, look, a little keepsake for my vacation. It's one thing when you get it at the Run Disney Expo because it's a little keepsake from your vacation. I don't know that it's got a lot of returnability for Disney Parks locals, which I don't think is what they're banking on. I think they're banking on tourists going there and maybe it works but I think the only way that you make it work is to end your relationship with wine bar George but now you're just spending a lot of money on something that you know you can get it's equal on Amazon for a third the price it I'm just not that excited to hear that corksicle is coming maybe I'm not in the key demographic and maybe there's something that I'm missing but I am just not overly excited to see that this is coming. And I feel like this is going to be a nice place to window shop. And that's about as far as it's going to go. There's got to be something else that they're going to offer. Like if you buy it, you can use it to fill up. I don't know. Maybe they'll have beverages in there. 
or that you'll be able to fill up in the park somewhere. Like there's got to be something else because I can't imagine that this is going to be crazy successful when, to your point, you can kind of buy them anywhere. We're interested in knowing what you have to say about the Disney Parks news or the Disney Plus news. You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio, or you can email us Radio at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for joining us this and every week on Monoreal Radio. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us on your podcast platform of choice. Be sure to follow us on that social media. I just mentioned it. We are also on TikTok at Monoreal Radio. And for everything related to the show, it is online at monorealradio.com. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.